What is up, Panther fans? Welcome back to the X-Clown Show, your favorite Panthers podcast. I'm Steven Sears, joined by Chase Pletcher and Brian Emery. How y'all boys doing today? Man, I'm good. Um, after after Brian says all he's doing, I got I got a quick story for y'all, though. I just reminded me of it because I'm eating Thin Mints right now. So, <laughs> okay. I got, all right, anyways, Brian, how are you doing? <laughs> I am, I'm doing just fine, man. I'm ready to hear your story. I'm intrigued now. All right, so the Girl Scouts scammed me. They tried to, but I didn't let them get away with it. All right. So I'm just like, going, it was like a Saturday afternoon. I see some Girl Scouts set up, like just on the side of the road, whatever. Of course, I'm going to go support. I love Thin Mints. Like, I love Thin Mints. So I walk up. It's a great little setup, you know. They got they got, they got this one of the, one of the Girl Scouts is dressed up in this, like, Thin Mint costume. Like, they got a whole thing going on. And I just walk up, and I'm like – Keep in mind, I don't know exactly how much these boxes cost. It ended up being five bucks, but I just assume it's anywhere between five and ten, you know, inflation and all that. So like, I walk up and I'm just like, hey, can I get four boxes of Thin Mints? They're like, yeah, 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 awesome, cool. I'm just not thinking much about anything. I don't care exactly how much it costs. It's the Girl Scouts. I'm just supporting. So the girl in the Thin Mint costume couldn't be older than like seven, eight, takes my card, you know. They have that thing now where they can pay through their phone. They have that little connector thing. I'm sure you all have seen that. Mm. Um she, like, does it. She, like, flashes the thing in front of me for me to, like, sign it and click, like, no receipt, whatever. As I'm doing that and I click, like, no receipt and I'm taking my car back and I'm looking away, I notice at the top of the corner of the screen it says $100 is the charge. <laughs> but I'm, like, my brain, I wasn't – with almost anything I buy, I'm going to look at what the price is. But with those Girl Scout cookies, I didn't care what the price was. If it said 20 if it said 35 I wasn't going to dispute it. It's the Girl Scouts. So, like, in my brain, even though I saw the 100 it didn't register. Like, you know what I mean? And so I just didn't think to say anything. I start walking back towards my car and I'm like, surely I saw incorrectly. Surely that's not right. My bank, get an email. You've been charged a hundred dollars by the Girl Scouts. So I'm like, did I just, I call my mom in my car. I'm in the, in the car. And I'm like, did I, did I get scammed? Like, do you know how, cause she works at a school. I'm like, do you know how much these cost? And she's like, yeah, they're $5 a box. I'm like, hold on now. So I walk back up and I'm like, if so, it's okay because I paid for it and it's my own fault. But are these $25 a box? And the adult is like, no, they're five. And I'm like, well, she charged me 100 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I thought it said 20 I was like, no, nah, it said 100 And I, like, I showed him my bank statement and he looked and I was like, is there like any way to give my money back? And he was like, well, do you just want more Thin Mints? <laughs> And I, was like, I was like, no. I was like, I love Thin Mints, but I don't want 20 boxes of Thin Mints. I was like, just, I was, I was like I'm fat enough as is. And so, um, and so like, they ended up giving me my money back in cash. But like, I really think that's the scheme they're running. I really think they were just waiting for me to say something. I, I think, I think that's what they're going for all the time. No, so, I just made that. this girl feel terrible, man. <laughs> Dude, like they tried to scam now. me, man. $100 <laughs> for four boxes of Thin Mints. You should just give them the money, Chase. It's the Girl Scouts. Dude, all right. If it even would have said 50, I would have let it slide. But okay, $12 a box. All right. You know, you never know how those, these things are going nowadays. But 100 bucks, I can't let that slide. That's, I, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So, Girl, <laughs> Girl Scouts, they're up to something. So, that was my story. Here, yep. Yeah. I just ate like a whole box. So, it's been on my mind. That well, that was a great story to start us off. Um, Girl Scout scam and chase. Uh, we're going to talk about maybe another scammer, as some Panther fans might think about it. David Tepper. This episode, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get into him uh, first. 
We're going to do a little bit of trivia. It's my week. Um, I told you I was going to come a bit a little bit light this week because uh, we've been we've been taking some big L's. We got to build some confidence. Yeah, and yeah. I I picked my question on maybe like 15 minutes before we started, so that's how how easy this should be. And also now that I look at like everything going on that we're doing today, it's going to be even easier. So I'm expecting you guys to get both of these. You're putting a lot of pressure on us already. <laughs> yeah, like now there's like no like if I get it wrong, I'm banished from being a Panthers. Fan. Oh, this is easy peasy. I mean, come on, we got this. All right, so I wanted to keep it in sort of the realm of since we're going to be talking about David Tepper, I wanted to kind of do it with like the toe ownership and you know MLS is starting this week. We're going to talk about that too. So with the records, um, Jerry Richardson. Uh, our first season with him was in 1995, greatest year ever, the year I was born, by the way. And with David uh, David Tepper, first season was 2018. Mm-hmm. What were the the records for those two seasons? Like both of their first seasons? Yes. Was it the same record or no? Uh, could be. Okay, hold on. I guess we just text you the answer again. Yeah. You said uh, in Tepper's first season, right? Not this past season. Yes, first season. Okay. I'm trying to think here in my head. I'm trying to run through the. Okay, I think I got it. I think I got I, it. I think I have 18. I'm not confident on 95. It's the, I, I th- I'm saying the same record for both. Okay. So if you you should have gotten my text now. Yeah, I'm about to send you mine. I. Chase. Thinking the same thing as Brian, I'm pretty sure. I know for a fact 2018. I knew 1996. I think I knew 1995. I haven't gotten Brian's yet. There it is. All right, you both were right. Seven and nine, both seasons. The picture of mediocrity, your Carolina Panthers. <laughs> also, a fun fact about that, we have finished seven and nine eight times, which is by far the highest uh, – uh, throughout our years, next close to like some three times. Go, yeah. Going seven to nine in your very first year is super respectful, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, because like the next year they went 12 and four. So, yeah, we're like, that's okay, really when you think about it. <laughs> well, Tepper saw the next time they went five and 11. So, <laughs> dude, it's wild though because both the Panthers and Jags came in this into the league at the same time. And both of their second years, made they the made it to the conference championship. Yeah. That's wild. It is. There's like a big Sports Illustrated, I think, when both teams are on those runs. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, insane stuff. We um, it just it was just kind of funny to me when I was like looking for something to uh, to like pick out, and I noticed that they both started seven and nine, which is, as you said, kind of respectable. But then knowing is like how many times we finished seven and nine throughout like these twenty six years is like just kind of funny to me, and also just like the picture of who we are as a team at the moment. But yeah. um, we want to talk about some Kirk Cousins to start off. Apparently, there's been a little bit of chatter with him. It's kind of being connected to the Panthers. I think we've made a couple calls. How do y'all feel about that so far? Uh, I mean, obviously not excited at all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, real talk, real talk though. I mean, th- they're gonna be connected to any Everybody. potential dude who's had even like one or two solid NFL seasons as a starter. They're gonna be connected to if they could possibly become available. So I'm not really surprised, and I'm not putting too much stock into it right now. 
I don't really expect it to happen. But at the same time, if it does, I really can't think of a more boring possible outcome here. He's 33 <laughs> years old. He really is. He's just like he's like for years now, he's just been the picture of an average NFL quarterback, which would be an upgrade right now. But doesn't bring us anywhere close to being a playoff team, I don't think. Yeah, I, my tweet kind of basically I, – I tweeted something about this when, like, the rumor came out a couple of days ago. And basically I said, in a vacuum, it's fine because it would by far be the best quarterback play we've gotten since Cam in 2018. But we don't live in a vacuum. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> – I get what you're saying. Yeah, it would definitely be like extremely just, underwhelming, especially with his uh, his cap hit because he's he's going to make some bang, right? Like top five. Kind he's of looking for more. He's looking for more too. He wants oh. an extension. Yeah, no, that's okay. I'm good on that. Um, I saw a few guys trying to rationalize it because you know he basically is like you know what is it, like the Kirk Cousins bar? Like he is average, like the <laughs> definition of it. So yeah, I mean, like sure, but like I need us to kind of dream bigger, you know? Like that would be nice. Yeah, like like that one guy made that thing. It was like, how many Kirks is a quarter? Like, <laughs> and it's like so Kirk, Kirk is one Kirk, and like Matt Derek, Joe, point eight of a Kirk. <laughs> yeah, like Derek Carr's like one point one Kirks, like shit, like that. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, we need well, to and- we need to dream a little bigger. Well, and also, like, with the Vikings, he has had Adam Thielen. He's had Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook in the backfield. Yes. Their offensive line's, like, not, like, world beaters, but their line last year was also probably better than what we'll have this upcoming season, I would say. And they still weren't a playoff team. So, I just – I mean, it maybe takes you from a five-win team to a seven-win team, maybe, but I really don't see it going much further than that. I think a good comparison is last time, last episode we talked about Matt Stafford and the difference he'd make. The difference between our season that actually happened and what we think happened with Stafford with Kirk is probably somewhere in the middle. So, like you said, probably like seven, a couple more wins. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, not excited at all. Uh, th- th- there's going to be quarterback talk all off season now. So, I mean, it's going to be someone new every week. Yeah, and I. You know, I would just kind of say, like, when things like that pop up, you know, you we obviously, you know, Twitter is a very dramatic place, so everyone kind of reacts very dramatically. Um, I wouldn't do that because they're literally going to call every single team whose quarterback might be on the market. Like, it's not going to be news. Like, they're just like, hey, Minnesota, like, what are you doing with them? And they're just like, oh, nothing. And we'll just hang up. Like, that's, you know, inquiring about Kirk Cousins as far as we know. Yeah, yeah. So – yeah, no big deal. But we want to get into some Tepper talk. Um, it's been four seasons with them, four losing seasons, four very long seasons, and very stressful seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian, why don't you start us off? Sure. So as Steve's kind of alluded to already, we're going to kind of spend this episode just going over what David Tepper's done in his four years in Charlotte so far. He, of course, came in, you know, he was talking a big game. And I think we were all excited of because mm-hmm. the end of the Jerry Richardson era, it was pretty ugly for numerous different reasons. We all know about that. Then, you know, you just have this, I mean, just absurdly, absurdly wealthy dude come in. He, I think he walked into the league like the second or third richest owner in the entire NFL. So we know, we know he's got stupid cash to blow. He talked a big game how, you know, he was going to stop at nothing to build a consistent winner. 
He had spent time in Pittsburgh, which the Steelers are probably like the NFL, besides the Patriots, maybe just the model organization in terms of consistent winning. So I think we were all hoping maybe he learned some things, uh, you know, from his, I guess, involvement with the Steelers organization. So we came in, we were pumped. And now here we are four years later. We're hearing nothing from this dude anymore. We'll talk more about that. But uh, it's just, just it's really been really, really frustrating so far. And he certainly has not lived up to the expectations we had for him or the expectations he placed on himself either. So, Jason? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I would absolutely have to agree with you. Like, I mean, it's like, I mean, he's he's the richest owner. But like I, I I don't know. I mean, yeah, I I basically agree with what Brian says. I mean, he it's been so disappointing. I think at first, you know, they really used a lot of PR and propaganda to sell us on this new age type cool owner. Hey, he's he's drinking a beer at a tailgate. He, <laughs> he's so re, he's so relatable and down to earth. You know, this guy worth fourteen billion dollars. He's just one of us. You know. And so, yeah, no, I, it's, it's definitely been disappointing. You know, I, this like, you know, the stuff with the turf, so frustrating. All players do is speak out against turf. When have you ever heard anybody pro turf? You only ever hear p- people anti turf or they're just, they don't have an opinion on it. Yeah. So when there's people only ever anti one side of something and never anti the other, then like the opposite, then that, you, you know, that thing probably sucks. Yeah. Um, Chase, you might remember this from like a while ago, but um, our friend from across the pond, Ewan in the UK, he said, if uh, if you were to run the Panthers, or if sorry, let me restart and rephrase this properly. If your mortal enemy was a Panthers fan, you would run the team the same exact way David Tepper has ran it so far. <laughs> 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 like everything. Like, he came in, it was all good. Eric Reed came in, you got that jotted down. Like, that was all great. He talked a big game. He was doing everything you would want, like, an owner to do. And all of a sudden, it was like, Ron's gone, which, you know, was the right decision. We might probably get to that in a second. And then Cam's gone. Luke's retiring. Greg Olson's gone. The turf is gone. The end zones are no longer <laughs> black. Like, dude. <laughs> and, like, everything he's doing, it just makes you, like, just want to rip your hair out. It was just crazy. Yeah. So, so when you try to think of the positives so far, and I, I'm sure you guys would agree, like when he came in and the team signed Eric Reed, like early into the whole like Tepper era or whatever, I thought, that was, like, I thought that was an awesome, awesome sign for things to come. Like, you know, cause that decision was met with some scrutiny, even mm-hmm. within the fan base, but he's like, listen, this dude's going to help us win. You know, we're going to bring him in and he's going to try to help us win some games. And, even like just thinking back to the 2018 season as a whole, they started six and two. They go into Pittsburgh on Thursday night. TJ Watt hurt. Like it, it also makes me think like if TJ Watt doesn't hurt Cam Shoulder that night, this conversation could be totally different right now. Yeah, you know, true. losing the franchise quarterback probably yeah. for good. You know, halfway through that 2018 season, and you know that definitely kind of put the franchise on. Uh, a new path and mm-hmm. uh yeah i mean that, that really really sucked i mean we've been talking quarterback to death already the team just they cannot find anyone to play there it's just so annoying dude if you had told me when i walked out of that stadium when we thrashed the bucks to move to six and two if somebody was like standing at the edge of that stadium when i left at that moment and on november 
2018. If somebody looked me in the eyes and said, that's the last time Cam Newton will ever win a game as the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers, I would have like bet every cent I'll ever earn <laughs> in my life that that wouldn't be the case. You know what I mean? I, I'd bet every penny to my name for the rest of my life at the time, which probably wasn't much at the time, that, um, that there's no way that's true. And it's just unbelievable to think about that, that like how everything has happened since then. I thought that team was so legit, man. I was I, – I thought – I thought that team had it. I really did. And, you know, they, 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 they very well might could have, but Cam had a few injuries before that, but it really seems like that was the night where uh, he just, he was never the same after that hit from TJ Watt. I mean, it it really does suck, but he he tried to throw a deep ball later in that game when it was already like down 30. And I remember watching that and I'm like, yeah, this something's wrong with this guy. Yeah. Sucks. Uh, so, you know, obviously we talked about the 2018, 2018 team, started six and two, finished seven and nine. They went five and 11 the next year and they fired Ron Rivera following that season. And that's a decision now where I, I see fans every day tweet, oh, you know, we shouldn't have gotten rid of Ron. Like we, you know, we shouldn't have, fired, you know, yada, yada, yada. Like I love Ron, great dude. But I think, I think that talk is just, kind of ridiculous like Rivera had what nine years here and we had three winning seasons acting like he didn't get a fair shot at it, it's kind of crazy too I think so I, I don't criticize Tepper for firing Ron Rivera because I thought it was time yeah it was I mean it was definitely time it was just kind of like you know good coach but it just kind of got a little stale and when that happens it's just sort of time to freshen up there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> yeah so i guess they i guess they fired ron and now let's just kind of spend some time talking about the process to to hiring matt rule i am curious to hear you guys like truly what what did you first feel when you got that notification that matt rule was going to be the next head coach of the carolina panthers I was for it. I remember from, you know, the, you know, the, the little that I know about like, you know, top head coaches or whatever like that. Like I thought he was one of the, you know, the top coaching candidates. So when we actually got him, I was, you know, I was cool with it. But for me, it was either him or the enemy. Those were like my top two and they came out of a rule and I was, you know, satisfied with it. So, mm-hmm. you know, Chase. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, I actually remember that, Steve. It, it was before we even – the Panthers even got deep into the interview process. I remember – I like, I mean, this is a while ago, but I remember you bringing up Rule before he even kind of got to the forefront of the – it was kind of like before our regular season was even over. Uh, we still had whatever his name is being the interim, all that. Like Perry, Perry. Yes. Perry Fuel. See, I wanted to say – like Perry Sewell, and I'm like, that sounds too similar to somebody else. And I'm thinking of Penny Sewell. <laughs> but, um, but no, like, I, I remember you bringing up Rule, like, talking about him as kind of like a – he wasn't one of the top candidates at the time, and then we ended up getting him. And, you know, it's one of those things where when your NFL team hires a head coach, if you're even a halfway optimistic fan, you know, you, you probably find a way to feel good about the hire unless they're hiring yeah. somebody like Urban Meyer. You know, like it'd be very hard to hire someone in the most of the fan base to not at least get semi on board. And so, yeah, I I was I was cool with it. I was on board. 
um, at the at the time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, and, it's... And, and, and even though Rule hasn't worked out, I don't think that means you should say Ron's firing wasn't just right. Like you said, I love Ron. Just because you get out of one bad situation and end up in a worse one doesn't necessarily mean it was a bad idea to get out of the previously bad situation. That's true. Yeah. And that can apply to anything in life, really. Yeah, yeah. To, I mean, I I don't have much to add because I was the same as you guys. Like, I remember when that cycle started. Matt Rule was really the flashy name of that. And I, looking back on it, I, I really don't know why. Like, the turnaround <laughs> at Baylor was impressive, but when he dived deeper into that, like he never beat a ranked team at Baylor. But I still, I mean, I fell for it. I was like, I loved the whole like, you know culture you know like building the whole culture like i felt for that even if it always sort of a bit more college to me um i I was still for that and you know they brought him in and he was saying like really interesting things about how he wanted to be an analytics first organization and so much talk that he hasn't lived up to and so i mean yeah that's really more of a matt rule problem than david tepper problem though uh, but I mean, yeah, and I, we could rant for days about this dude, but yeah, I mean, when, when they made the hire, I was stoked because I remember the hot rumor was he was getting the next head coach of the New York Giants. And then again, you know, David Tepper, clearly this was his guy. And he's like, I will pay you whatever it takes to be my next head coach. And I thought that was an impressive move because he's like, he believes in this dude and he didn't even want to give Rule the chance to interview with the Giants. And at the time, I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, you know, this is an example. Tepper's going all in for his guy, and he's not going to let him get away. Like, I thought that felt like a winning move, even if Matt Rule hasn't worked out. Yeah, I, I think it. I mean, honestly, I think it was a winning move, but maybe they just went too far in giving him like way too much power. Like yeah. you brought up, like how he's his whole thing at Baylor and Temple was like he's the culture guy, right? Um, which you know, I think everyone could probably get behind. But like, if you told everyone beforehand like oh yeah he's a culture guy and he's also going to bring all his temple guys and all his Baylor guys like you're probably like oh like that's not too good so like maybe like too much power but like I think the idea was was right you know and and yeah. then and then he scores Joe Brady who was like the yes. hottest offensive name <laughs> yeah. in the football I I was so beyond excited when that happened so, I was yeah. like, oh let's go man like that is huge and just, it's kind of crazy where we're at two years later. So, so the, and and that's why I do think, despite like this whole rule situation being a disaster, that's why it kind of irks me a little bit. Some of the hindsight is fifty fifty. I see from people like they really hired this guy that had never coached in the NFL in his life and thought something good was about to happen. Yeah, hindsight's easy. Like like you guys were just mentioning, he was the hot name at the time. He scores the hottest offensive name in college that just led the most historic college offense ever. You know, I, I think most I, – I bet a lot of people that are kind of using some of this hindsight, like, oh, I knew this was never going to work. You can't be getting dudes from college like that thinking they can coach grown men. I'd be willing to bet a lot of those people probably weren't ringing the same tune January of 2020, mm-hmm. February of 2020. You know, I, I think it's really easy in hindsight to now look at why it was bad. And I don't think that's an issue, but I certainly can't sit up here and pretend like, oh, well, I could have told him from the start that wasn't going to work out, you know, so – and, and I guess kind of to, to circle back to where David Tepper plays a role in on this, here we are two years later, and it's really – it's not an exaggeration to say the Panthers are 
maybe after the Jaguars, the most embarrassing organization. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, all we can do is laugh now, but that's, that's just, that's not an exaggeration at all. Like it's, they are the punchline of so many jokes now yeah. and they're giving Matt rule a third year. We have not heard David Tepper's justification for this yet. And it's like, I don't like, I think Joseph person wrote that big, like scathing critique near the end of the year. And he was like, David Tepper's apparently super embarrassed, but I'm like, so he's embarrassed, but he's giving him a third. It's like there's just so many variables that don't really add up. It's weird. Yeah, absolutely. It's because I mean, you, you know, when you hear these reports, who knows what's conflicting? You yeah. know, I mean, you can always get iffy sources, but I do agree. It's weird. Like you would think Tepper would almost have a little more pride, and I don't know if part of it is he doesn't want to come across as rash, and he's like, hey, you know, let me just. Hop, coach hop or whatever it is. I don't know if he's worried about getting that type of reputation, but it's all just so – it feels all very weird because you don't know what the power dynamics are like because you hear so many different things. Yeah, I mean, at this point, if he's going to go with them, which he is, it would have been more beneficial for him to come out and, like, say something. Like, hey, like, Matt still has my support, even if he has sucked. Because, I mean, now we're in a position where you have – you know, you have to get a new offensive coordinator. No one really wants to come. You have to get a bunch of new assistant coaches. Nobody really wants to come. We're going to free agency. Who's going to want to come? Like, there's no – like, it's so blurry in the future that, like, Tepper not saying anything is going to be – could be, like, pretty bad for the organization. And and one thing I wanted to be clear on, too, is, like, for, for Tepper's sake, if he is embarrassed as to how much of a disaster rule has been so far, like, dude, hiring one bad coach does not make you a bad owner. Like, you can hire, you can bring in a qualified guy. You can go through a whole process. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. But what turns you into a bad owner is if you continue trying to do something that's clearly not working because you're afraid to admit you were wrong. And that, that's kind of where a lot of my concerns come in right now. With like his ego is what you're saying, basically. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, good good franchises just make bad coaching decisions all the time. Like, so I mean, yeah. I don't I don't really think getting one coaching hire wrong is you know an indictment of you know the future coaching decisions Tepper could make. But the fact that he's continuing to ride it out with rule and not give us any sort of explanation as for as to why. And maybe even giving this dude full control to trade future assets to try to get a quarterback to save his job. Like, I, I think that's where all our concerns are kind of coming into play right now. Yeah, no, that's actually a really good point because the owner, and I'm not here trying to like cap, like cape for an owner, but like <laughs> the, the owner, the owner doesn't play. You know, like you said, you could do everything right by the book. And things just not work out. And that shouldn't make you be like, oh, he's a clown of an owner. You know, sports are random sometimes. You know, the ball bounces one way or the other. Be the difference between winning a several amount of games. But it's how you react once you realize it's been a bad decision. Mm -hmm. That should then allow, that's how you should be judged as an owner. Like, if you're hired to buy the coach, okay, cool. How are you reacting? How are you trying to shake off, shake that off. How are you trying to rebound from that? That's how we can judge you because that's what he's in control of. It's the process over results. And for the Panthers, both have been shit. Right now. <laughs> so. Yeah. And just, we, we've said this, but this, the whole, the, the silence has just been so strange mm -hmm. this off season. And one of the Panthers publications, I think it was like some fan blog or something, but 
publish some piece about how fans feel more disconnected now than ever. That might feel dramatic, but I also think it's true. Like I, I know I can certainly relate to those sentiments. Yeah, and at I think some it's true point, for me. Yeah, at some point, <laughs> uh, Tepper's guilty of that culture that's kind of been created here now. There's just no clarity at all as to what the direction of the team is. And, and there's some little things here and there, you know, taking out some of that end zone seating. Um, the constant talk about almost like – I mean, some people – this might be a little bit of conspiracy, but some people feel like he's going to, like, try to strong arm, you know, our local government and our taxpayers with getting a new stadium. And it's like if they say no, okay, well, the new stadium will be in Rock Hill. Like, all these little things where it feels like it's like – he doesn't care about this team. He cares about, like, the, the money behind it, which – as you would expect from a guy that that's rich. And I'm not going to hear sit here and say anything good about Jerry Richardson, the person. But the one thing you could say is he obviously loved the Panthers. And I just feel like – I don't feel like David Tepper loves the Panthers yeah. itself, like what it's meant to like – I don't think he understands. It's like I was born a Panther fan. You know, I'm that, I was born in 1998. Like my parents didn't grow up Panther fans, but they moved down here in 95, the team's first year, and became Panther fans. So, like, I was born a Panther fan. My kids are going to be Panthers fans. And it's like, so like, I love the Panthers. I feel like David Tepper, since he wasn't here from the start or whatever, yeah. won't, doesn't have that same love. And so that's why he doesn't have the same attachment to maybe some of these things that might seem little to him, but are bigger to the fan base that you see us like freaking out about sometimes. That that's a really good point, and you know, it's just like it, it's small things. Like when they announced the move to turf this like this past summer, I was like, you know, I don't like that, but doesn't feel like a huge deal. Then I was watching those like just like those November December games this year, and I'm like, this shit looks so wrong. Like I I, this, <laughs> I didn't like at the time like oh that's no big deal. People are making a big deal out of nothing. And then I was watching the games this year, and I was like, I hate this. Like yeah. just, it doesn't feel like the team that you know, we grew up watching and it's just, it's just, you know, it's an accumulation of just little things like that. Like you mentioned, Chase. Everything they've done to the stadium just sucks. The turf, <laughs> dude, the, the blackened zones are gone. When they came out with the font, like the team font that was like yeah. 10, 10 font size. Like, what was that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, we move a Panther at midfield now though. Yeah. So the fans got to be happy. <laughs> I'll take that. Um, <laughs> it's, man, I never thought I'd see the day I'm like begging to have to see the shield at midfield. Bring those <laughs> days back, please. So, so Chase, you did bring up the whole uh, stadium conundrum because that's been chatter ever since Tepper bought the team. I actually, so I saw this. I don't know how someone made this. I don't know if y'all saw this or not, but some dude on Twitter made like a graph and it was like NFL stadiums. And the number of like bars or breweries yeah, I saw in, that. in proximity to the stadium. And the Panthers were like fifth in the NFL. And like, I think like that's a huge deal. That's a special part of the game day experience in Charlotte, I think. That's a dub. <laughs> I, 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 absolutely. Like, tailgating's fun, but especially like being like, this year was the first year I could go to games as someone who was 21. Um, because when I turned 21, uh, I turned. Okay, no, this is the second year because last year I didn't go to any games because it was 2020, and I turned 21 like a few weeks into the 2019 season. Anyways, back to my point. Like, it was great, you know. It, it's special. Like, I could – like, I, I mean, literally me, like, me and you, Brian, like I see you at the doghouse like 30 minutes before kickoff, you know. We're, you know, buying shots, just having fun. We're getting rowdy, playing cornhole, yelling at opposing fans. Like, it's so fun. And that is literally right across the street from the stadium. Like, it's right. super cool for the experience. And to hear this talk like, oh, moving it to Rock Hill – 
uh, I doubt there's that many bars in downtown Rock Hill as there are in Uptown or like South End or anything. Is that an actual rumor? Like moving the stadium to Rock Hill? It's just been chatter. I, there's nothing yeah. to cancel, but it, it would be so far down the road. I know they have like the whole but... new facility, like the Avengers facility that he's building down there, or whatever the hell. But my my dad swears ever since Tepper bought the team, he's like he's gonna relocate them one day. My dad swears on his life that the one reason I say no to that is because Jerry Richardson was great friends with Jerry Jones, and the owners have to vote on relocation, and Jerry Jones won't let that happen. Like to Jerry Richardson's team, so I think I'm that's all a bit dramatic, and I I could be wrong, but I don't I don't foresee that happening. Me, uh, I don't think so. You know, I, I think Tepper would love to, you know, have one of these flashy stadiums, maybe similar to where Atlanta just built, some a place he could have Final Fours, he could maybe even host a Super Bowl one day, and that would be cool. But if you can't secure another location similar to where you have right now, like I'm out, like like oh, play yeah. in the bank, play in the bank till that thing's falling apart. Because I, I think their setup and proximity to the city, it's a beautiful is stadium, so unique. it's Dude, so unique and it's it, so great. It's amazing, and there's honestly a lot of teams that don't have that. Like you look at that graphic for the Panthers, it said sixty. Washington football team, it said like one or zero. Yeah. You know, like there's so many places that don't have that. Yeah, there was a lot of like, you know, good teams too down there, like at the bottom. And I was like, wow, like Chiefs, that Packers. Sucks. Yeah. 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 And of course, you know, like, and that's another thing that's cool about tailgating. Like, if you don't want to go to a bar before the game, there's plenty of parking lots you can get your site. Like, I really think like the Panthers have a uniquely special, like, pregame environment. Uh, compared to most other NFL stadiums. And I think – I don't care how flashy a new stadium would be. Like, if if you're moving it outside of, like, uptown, I think you're going to see a hit because of that. I swear you are. Yeah. Um, Honestly, definitely. I'm not even, like, a big, like, tailgater like that. But, like, what I do – what I do is usually, like, I'll show up. I'll take the light rail into, like, the city or whatever. And then I, like, walking through, like, the city, just kind of, like, filling the atmosphere of, like, game day, like, until mm-hmm. I get to the stadium. And like that's just what I do. I don't know, but like not having that would just would just yeah. feel so off. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's def. I mean, it's, it's great, you know. And it feel, it feels authentic. It feels like it's in the city. It feels like it's like a part of us. And of course, you know, partly we've grown up like that. But yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely. Um, I, I I hope they don't move anytime soon. And maybe it's just me. I don't want to know. Re- I think real football is played. Oh yeah, that'd be. I agree. That'd be lame. I agree. Like, Drew Brees' career. If he never got to play in a dome, <laughs> that, his, his, Case Keenum with the dome, absolutely. Like only, <laughs> only dome quarterback I respect is Peyton Manning. That's the only dome quarterback I respect. That's fair. Real men play outside. Yeah. No, I mean, and again, like I, I, I think weather in Charlotte, North Carolina, is perfectly set up, like for the like That's okay perfect. Those September games, like they can get really toasty. But by November, December, like you know, you got you got to bundle up a little bit. You're usually not miserable, but I always kind of love like the timeline of you know how the weather changes as the season progresses when they're going to games at the bank, at Bank of America Stadium. Yeah, so, they want to put us in a stuffy dome. Oh, it'd yeah. be terrible. Yeah. No, I agree. I yeah. So we're all totally out on a new stadium, especially if that's going to be taken away from Uptown. Which I I read somewhere there was some location near Uptown he maybe had his eye on. Uh, I can't. Yeah, I really don't know I how. S- specific I saw that it was, he but. he like purchased the um 
the foundry or something or whatever that thing is is like right next to the stadium i i don't know if it's called the foundry or not but there's like some little plot of land right next to the stadium that he purchased and i think it's supposed to be like some entertainment district or something like that or maybe even like the mls team might get a stadium i don't know but he is making moves so that's pretty good pretty good transition the last thing obviously we're a carolina panthers podcast but uh, Steve just brought up the MLS. So the other big thing Tepper's obviously done for Charlotte is brought an MLS team. And we were talking about this guys before we started recording about how, you know, we're, we're, we're all soccer fans, at least to an extent. So we're pumped about that. But again, unfortunately that team is already reeking of dysfunction. So, far. <laughs> so, so what bad. do you guys want to say about that? Man, it's going to be terrible. <laughs> like I've been so excited for this for this team because I'm a, I'm a huge soccer fan. Uh, go Liverpool! Um, so when they announced that we were getting the, the MLS team, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm all for it. Like I don't really watch MLS like that, but you know now, obviously, like I'm ready to be like fully invested. And what we've had like a two year like time period. Yeah, they got our roster straight, and they like have what like one attacker or something crazy. They have one and, winger on the roster. They have zero width at all. Yeah, so one winger, and then they have the coach telling the the media that they're screwed. <laughs> so we're at we're at a great start right now. <laughs> and what's what's really wild about those that we are screwed comment? Like we all laugh like, <laughs> like crazy when it happened. But apparently, Grant Wall, who he is as connected as any American soccer reporter out there, he said on a podcast today that. Apparently, Charlotte FC's coach was almost like they at least considered firing him for those comments. So I'm like, so you <laughs> you might fire this dude before he's coached a single game for something totally out of his control, and you won't fire Matt Rule for the abomination of the roster he's built. But, you know. They go fire him <laughs> from telling the truth. Like. Yeah. <laughs> and, and his comments were funny, but you have to take into account, you know, that was getting said through a translator. So, like, probably the – I'm sure the way he said it – It was an F-bomb, like, I think. I'm sure the way he said it in his language – I'm sure it's something that doesn't sound as bad as, like, you've never hear a coach here say we are screwed. And so it's like, I'm sure, you know, there's just a little bit of a disconnect. I don't know. And the trans- I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, saw someone translate it to him actually saying that they were effed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I think it was oh, well, I, can't, I can't defend that, but, I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, I saw something that – there's a good chance Saturday we're not going to have any of our DPs. And I don't know how much you guys follow MLS, but apparently designated players are like – it's the David Beckham rule in the MLS. You get three players on every team you can sign outside of the salary cap. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like – like in European soccer, they don't have a salary cap. So it's basically like three guys you can sign that don't count towards your salary cap. So it's probably most of the time going to be your best players, yeah. you would assume. Apparently, we're going to be playing with zero DPs yeah. on Saturday, which are typically going to be like your two or three best players. And the reasoning for that is pretty ridiculous because Carol Swiderski, who's the striker or whatever, he had to go like handle his like passport or something mm-hmm. back in like his home yeah. country. And so it's like, dude, like, how do we not like have that fly? Like, dude, you were playing <laughs> friendlies against Charleston Battery like two weeks ago. Like, go <laughs> handle your business, by the way. You're losing to Charleston. Battery. Yeah, losing the Charleston Battery. Like, go get your passport settled. So, like, whoever's like running like that department of things is like clearly screwing up because they had that, and then the whole uh, the the transfer that broke down the matches Macus guy. 
Yeah. We had the um the bar fight incident in Spain, so he couldn't be signed <laughs> over here. Like, how are we not checking this stuff? Like, I just don't understand. Mid midway through the season, the MLS is going to announce we have now added in relegation into the, a promotion <laughs> relegation thing in association with what's like the USF US. USL, there's the USL. The USL. We have announced a promotion relegation agreement with USL when we're sitting bottom of the table, 17 matches in with zero points and a minus <laughs> and a minus 69 point differential. Hey, that that Charlotte FC, Charlotte Independence, USL rivalry would set the city on fire. Man, I will say that. Man, that'll be, dude. It's going to be so bad, and I'm gonna watch every second of it. <laughs> oh yeah, wrong. We, yeah, we would love to be wrong. I will absolutely oh, watch yeah. every single match and be and I mean it would just be like watching most of my other teams anyway. So Yeah, we're used to it. We expect pain. <laughs> <laughs> One more team to break our hearts. <laughs> All right. Are we uh we good for today? I think so. Yeah. All right. Well, that was the X Clown show. Talked about some some tepper, some MLS, some rule, you know, all the good stuff going on in our lives. I'm Steven Sears. That's Chase Pletcher and Brian Emery. Follow us on Twitter at, what are we, the X Clown Show on Twitter. Follow that. And we'll catch you all next week. Peace.